0: The Radio Stingray podcast is brought to you by our gold sponsor, McNally Jones Staff Lawyers, proudly supporting the MUA Sydney branch since 1977. Need assistance with employment, industrial or workers' compensation, or any other legal problem? Phone 9233 4744 or visit McNally.com.au and get a real fighting lawyer on your side.
1: You're tuned in to Radio Stingray. Okay, g'day everyone and welcome to Radio Stingray. My name is Shane Reeside and I'm an organiser with the Sydney branch of the Maritime Union of Australia. Radio Stingray is our regular podcast where we aim to grapple with some of the issues that we think the progressive, engaged, working class audience around Sydney would be interested in hearing about and talking about further. This podcast is recorded in Sydney on Aboriginal land. Always was, always will be. There's been an enormous amount of coverage about wage theft recently in the media. Celebrity chef George Columbaris recently losing a high-profile court case and thus being forced to backpay staff and pay fines has thrust the issue into the spotlight. But what even is wage theft? Some would argue that a boss taking any profit at all from the top of the business is wage theft. So how do we understand it? And also, is it an aberration or is it actually the predominant business model in Australia these days? While the fact that wharfies and seafarers are famous for receiving excellent, well above average paying conditions, the maritime industry is no different from every other. Where there is a union that's well organised and prepared to fight, we see good wage and condition outcomes for workers. Where there is no union or no fight, we see employers seizing on every available opportunity to steal as much as they possibly can out of their workforce. It's not just small dodgy operators or big, unscrupulous multinationals either. The MUA Sydney branch has been fighting the full spectrum of businesses, from dodgy backyard operators through to massive $100 million players like NRMA. We're going to get back to the maritime industry later in the episode, but before we start talking more specifically about wage theft on the harbour, I think it's important that we understand that this problem is absolutely not contained to a small part of the economy. With us to discuss this is organising whirlwind Tim Nelthorpe from the National Union of Workers down in Victoria and James Anthony Consiglio, who is a chef and activist with HOSPO Voice, which is a union fighting for workers in the hospitality industry. Welcome, fellas. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank
1: you. So, James, we might start with you, mate. You're a chef. You've been in the hospitality industry for 10 years. When we talk about the hospitality industry, what exactly are we referring to?
2: Um. So, the hospitality industry... Is predominantly made up of front of house and back of house staff. So chefs, um, waiters, waitresses, bars, cafes, everything.
1: Right. And in Australia at the moment, round about how many people do you reckon be working in that industry?
2: Millions. There would be thousands. It's one of the highest or the biggest industry um, in Australia. And it, uh, It's massive.
1: Right. So when we hear about uh, work going out of traditional areas of the economy and into the service industry, this is one of the ones that we're talking about. Correct. So you've been organising in this space for a while now. What what are some of the things that you're finding that are happening out there?
2: Um, Over the last year since uh, HOSPO Voice has been active, we have had a lot of members join raising concerns about – Wage theft and just the indiscrepancies in uh, pays across the board, from chefs to front of house to um, migrant workers. It's there's this one rate that there's it's just not common uh, to like no one's paying correctly.
1: No one's paying correctly. All right. So when you say wage theft, what do you mean by that?
2: so we, when we talk about wage theft, we're talking about dodgy bosses that aren't paying current award.
1: Right. So yeah, the award, for those who aren't familiar um, with boring industrial law, the award is a document that's uh, put in place nationally, which stipulates the minimum paying conditions that employers must pay in a particular industry. So you're saying that these people out there in cafes, pubs, restaurants, etc., who are getting paid less than what the legal minimums are
3: correct yes
1: right so Tim you're at the NUW and you're uh, I understand organising fresh food workers is that correct mate
3: yeah so uh, primarily horticulture workers so the 100,000 or so people picking and packing the fruit and vegetables that are sold in our major supermarkets and which is also exported into um, many parts of the world
1: right 100,000 or so you reckon
3: yeah, that's that's a rough estimate. Um, it's hard because there's a large number of undocumented workers in our industry, and so statistics are hard to, you know, hard to get concrete. But that's that's about what we think. Yeah,
1: right. And so, have you been finding similar issues of wage theft uh, as what uh, James was describing in the hospitality sector?
3: Uh, definitely. Um, if, if I may, I, I think it's it's a bit of a byproduct of Australia having you know the highest minimum wage in the world, so so strong awards that were won pre the introduction of enterprise bargaining, and then we now have this enterprise bargaining system, which you know quite frankly is a sham and um, doesn't enable workers to utilise their power as well as they they once did in the Australian um, workforce, and I think that unions are concentrating. Um, their resources on, um, improving EBAs while in, you know, award land, um, wage theft is rife. And I mean, in our industry, the horticultural award itself, um, enables wage theft. Uh, we have a, a piece rate, um, clause in the, um, in the award that's really unclear and, and many employers use that to steal wages, um, you know, frankly, perhaps like legally. Um, and then on top of that, you have cash contracting, which is rife throughout the industry. You know, we, we, we estimate that somewhere around 70% of the industry have um, been paid in cash. Mm. And the vast majority of those are earning well less than the minimum wage.
1: So, Cash, that's a really interesting thing that you raise there. I mean, effectively, if you're being paid in cash, uh, the chances are you'd be in what's understood to be the informal economy. James? Mm. Is getting paid in cash common in the hospitality industry as well?
2: Massively. It's more common than not, Um, especially with a lot of our workers working as a casual employee. Uh, There's always going to be cash workers within hospitality, Um, but they still are entitled to the award wage.
1: Right, so in both situations, uh, in the hospitality industry and in fresh food production, virtually everybody is getting, uh, at best, paid according to award, which is the legal minimum, Uh, and then in different ways in both industries, we're seeing uh, opportunities for employers to actually pay people below the legal minimums or to manipulate those legal minimums so that they they can get away with it. Tim, you were just saying that you feel like it's the result of a shift towards enterprise bargaining. James, in uh, the hospitality industry, would you say that that's a, a similar a similar concern, that the, the unions have been focusing on big workplaces and focusing their resources on getting collective agreements to cover them rather than effectively organising industry-wide?
2: Um, not necessarily. We find within our, within our union we target both uh, your little cafes to your bigger restaurants like the Maid Establishment, which is George Columbaris. And hospitality, we find that it doesn't change um, between the bigger people and the little people.
1: Right, interesting. Yeah. So the, the George Columbaris restaurant, around about how many people were working there?
2: I've never worked for a Maid Establishment, but he's got multiple venues across um victoria and i believe the east coast so i'd say over uh, maybe 200
1: right so we're talking about a pretty big employer here and the kind of practices that were uh, identified in the big media storm that blew up over the court case surrounding his operation so people getting paid on incorrectly under award people not getting paid the loadings that they're entitled to uh Barris refusing to uh, fix the problem when staff raised it, et cetera, et cetera. You're finding those kinds of things across the industry, big, small, everywhere.
2: Yes, correct. And it was just that George is such a public figure that it was so big. Um, But it is – we've had rallies within um, Victoria on Chapel Street, which is a major bar precinct in the southeast. And Fair Work are now investigating over forty venues there, um, right. that are underpaying their staff.
1: Right, and so why is it that Fair Work is doing that uh, investigation? How did that come about?
2: So we put, um, so we've got a website called Fair Play where workers can go on and anonymously uh, rate their boss for either good or bad, um, because we do like to encourage the good employers,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and. From there, we're able to work with employees and put that information towards Fair Work. In this, in uh, the LALA Group, which is the Chapel Street investigation, we had a rally,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which then uh, gained media attention, and Fair Work were able to then step in and investigate.
1: Right, that's interesting. So, technically, Fair. So, for those who aren't familiar, Fair Work is the government body that has the power to investigate. Uh, whether or not people are being paid according to the legal minimums, and if they're not, they have the power to uh, compel employers to to meet those legal minimums. So, what you're describing is the unions actually facilitating people to more effectively report to Fair Work, and then you're putting pressure on Fair Work to then go and do do its job, basically.
2: Correct. And prior prior to Hospital Voice um, <laughs> forming hospitality workers never really had someone that would speak up for them. And Hospital Voice is a members-run union, so everything that is done is from our members.
0: At Unity Bank, we are 100% committed to maritime workers. We pride ourselves on delivering better all-round value to our members and their families. Unity Bank, proud supporter of the Maritime Union of Australia, and sponsor of this podcast.
1: That's a really interesting point that you raised there uh, about the ombudsman and the the tactic that you're using to try and get them to actually do do their jobs. Tim, uh, before you were mentioning that uh, it feels like the result of – Shifts, big, big picture shifts between uh, the minimum wage and the award system and then when that became the EBA system uh, and the shift between those two things playing a role in how we ended up in the situation we're in, it seems to me as though the state's either unwilling or incapable to actually regulate these very large industries and make sure that people are getting paid properly. What's your experience been of the ombudsman in the fresh food industry?
3: Uh, my, my experience has been that they're probably not resourced well enough to tackle the, the scale of the problem. Um, we we tend to use our horses for courses model. We've, we've been to the federal court. We've been a fair work. We've worked with the ombudsman at times. Um, but realistically, the, the scale, the sheer scale of the problem in our industry means that unless... Um, Unions are, are recognised and given um, a role in, you know, the probably ninety percent of the the sector where we don't have government mandated in, inductions with workers. Um, then, um, you know, things will improve in, in the seasonal worker program, which is a, you know, government run program. Um, unions are part of the induction process, both in home countries for pacific islander workers and when they arrive in australia um and this helps to make that part of the fresh food economy um you know better regulated you know there's still a problem
1: how does it do that
3: Uh, it, it does it by giving workers an understanding of their rights one to join a union um and two to stand up when when something's wrong so it's all well and good for Someone to be given an, um, a speech by the Fair Work Ombudsman, but the Fair Work Ombudsman is is effectively the, the workplace umpire. They're not on the side of the workers. Um, workers need a voice that is there for them, um, and we found that when workers join the union, they're more likely to stand up and raise a problem. Um, and the union has uh, the resources and the power to tackle bad employers um, and to hold them to account in a way that perhaps the government cannot.
1: So if there's endemic uh, uh, endemic underpayment of wages, illegal underpayment of wages in the fresh food industry, the, the solution you're putting forward there is effectively um, a state supported mechanism to make it easier for the union to re- recruit people to join basically?
3: Uh, we think the state has a role to play. We think the major supermarkets have a role to play. So like both both Coles and Woolworths are earning millions of dollars um, from the blood, sweat and tears of primarily migrant workers um, and it's their supply chains that are um, rife with underpayment, cash contracting and, and other problems. So we're working both um, on putting pressure on them to work with us to do something about it. Um, And obviously the government um, has a role to play as well because there's 1.8 million temporary migrant workers working in the Australian economy, which is about 10% of the overall workforce. And many of them are working in the the fresh food supply chain. Um, And many of them do not know uh, their rights when they arrive in the country. Um, some do, some don't, but but many don't, and many don't know where they can turn. And what we've found with the seasonal worker program, which you know is a, a little under ten thousand people um, working in the fresh food um, industry, that uh, that industry um, and that program works uh, because unions have that induction when when workers um, start in the workplace. Um, and so yeah there's there's a few different um, reasons for the the exploitation occurring but uh, workers having a voice and workers being educated um, on their rights to join a union is, is a big part of it
1: right so 10 percent of the australian workforce roughly are temporary migrant workers that presu- uh,
3: yeah that's that's my understanding
1: yeah so that presumably raises some pretty substantial challenges for the the unions unions that are seeking to organize those industries James in hospitality are we seeing lots of temporary migrant workers?
2: we are and we're seeing that they're the ones that are more severely affected uh, within the wage they've seen. We had a um petition a couple uh, sorry a rally a couple of weeks ago against two venues where we found that migrant workers were Um, being paid as little as $5 an hour and working 14-hour shifts. And we're finding that uh, that HOSPO migrant workers are scared because they're threatened with uh, with their visas being cancelled and being deported by their bosses.
1: So we're mostly, I mean, if you think about a traditional union model, uh, something that uh, some of our listeners would be familiar with would be something like the waterfront where people come into the industry when they're young and they get carried out in a box. Um, the, the way that the union would traditionally have organized that industry and does organize that industry is that you try and make sure that everybody is in the union and that they stay in the union for their entire working life and that they, uh, through being part of the union, at their workplace uh, end up being able to exert lots of influence over how everything gets run from safety right through till paying conditions rostering the whole kit and caboodle the social club uh, like a whole range of institutions that can surround a, a workplace where people are working there for their entire lives in an industry like hospitality James or like fresh food Tim, that you are describing temporary market workers and others that might come in and out of the industry and there's a substantial turnover of people what role does a union play? Like, if the people themselves aren't going to stay in that industry for a long time, does the union aim to achieve control over the workplace in a different way?
2: Um, we – oh, you go first. You go first, James. So we're working with the state government at the moment to actually criminalise wage theft. Yeah. So where we do have that um, – issue where there are workers coming and going all the time. But there are, like myself, I'm a chef. There are a lot of people within the industry that do make a career from it. And they're the ones that uh, we also want to work with. But we're, it's it's a really hard industry to get on top of because it's it's been years and years of... Um,
0: Use.
3: Mm. Um, I can I can add there. I think what you're talking about, Shane, is probably a traditional guild model for a union. So for someone coming in with tickets and something and stuff into into an industry, whereas we organise in in an open shop world where people do come in and out of the industry. Um, we. We do have very good success at the NUW with, um, with members mat- maintaining their membership as they move around. Um, so from farm to farm, from state to state, from sub industry to sub industry. And we have temporary migrant workers on the seasonal worker program who have remained members for five, six, seven seasons. Uh, so coming back every year and retaining their membership. So, um, I suppose it's, you've got to think about things in a different uh, framework, um, but we, we still strive for the things that you described, workers having control um, over their rosters, over their workplace safety, having a voice at work, um, basically ensuring that they're working in a workplace that they enjoy um, to some extent, I mean, people would prefer not to be at work than be at work a lot of the time, but you've got to make the best of the situation. And we have found where the union has had a presence in people's lives, their lives have improved significantly. Um, our our union is helping workers to fix their visa situation. We're helping um, workers with the right of return in the seasonal worker program. Um, we're supporting uh, workers to tackle wage theft on a case-by-case basis and sometimes through the legal system or sometimes through the traditional method of knocking on the contractor's door um, and, and demanding the money back. And uh, I don't think there's anything remarkably new about any of the methods we're using. Um, some of them were used by the Wobblies back in the 1920s and 30s. So I don't think it's a new model of unionism, maybe just a return to an old model of unionism.
1: So in the NUW, so fresh food production land, have you had much success in getting wages up above award in many, like through collective agreements, or is that not something that the union's currently attempting to do?
3: We have in some cases, um, but what we're tending to find is that wages, I mean everyone wants more money, but wages are not particularly the issue that moves people, like when they're getting half the minimum wage, sure, that that moves them, but job permanency um, or job security, um, having a voice at work um, and having some control over their workplace are far more important to our members um, than whether they get you know, $24 an hour or $25 an hour. Um,
1: so how do you secure something like having a voice at work if the, there's a churn in a particular workplace?
3: Um, I think it's about building. You still look to build majorities. So we have a lot of workplaces where we've built majorities um, and we have to cover that churn Um Much like the NGW does in, you know, market research, there's a huge trend in that industry, but we keep majorities in the workplaces through inductions and and other mechanisms.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, I think also, um, tooling up the workers as well to be able to support themselves as they move around so I think like we think in the framework and I think this is plays into a little bit what HOSPO Voice are looking at as well we think of you know the organiser or the delegate coming in and in enforcing an agreement um, which, yeah. which has been struck by the union but if you can tool up the individual workers to be able to tackle you know a wage theft situation or um, you know an unsafe workplace as they go around and then it's, it's very much what I think the Wobblies did in the 20s and 30s in the, the fresh food industry and other other industries in both Australia and America and, and elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, um, it's there's some lessons to be learned from, from history about how you can tackle the kind of industries we're tackling.
1: So, James, are, are you guys seeking to get enterprise agreements to cover particular workplaces, or are you also focusing on trying to out- Cases of wage theft, get people paid the award, get back pay paid where it's due, etc.
2: So we're working towards changing the industry for a better. It's um, we work in numbers and in solidarity, and as I said before, we're working um, with the state government that it will be a crime, so employers and bosses will have be liable for or have a. Have something to be scared of when they do rip their employers off.
1: Mm. And is that looking like it's likely to get up?
2: Yeah, yes. Um, so, our state government um, are meeting, we've got meetings um, in organization stages at the moment. And within, they promised us by next year. Wow. That it will be, yeah.
1: Fellas, I I could really keep talking to both of you about this all day, and I I would like to, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to let you go on that note. So, thank you very much for joining us here on Radio Stingray. And if there's anything that uh, either uh, of you need from maritime workers, please don't hesitate to give them (laughs) a (laughs) guys. Thanks, boys.
0: Tuned in to Radio Stingray. Radio Stingray podcast was brought to you by McNally Jones staff lawyers. Assisting MUA members and their families for 40 years. Phone 9233 4744 or visit McNally.com.au and get McNally's on your side.